Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, February 21st, 2019, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, Kyrie Irving. Look, I'm sick and tired of talking about Kyrie Irving comments, but here we are. I'll play you the latest audio from the latest player who looks like he's creating his ultimate excuse for leaving town. I have two separate audio clips for Kyrie Irving uh, to play for you. He did a one-on-one sit-down interview with Rachel Nichols. I will not play the whole thing, but a couple clips that get me fired up. And then later on, yesterday on Wednesday, another audio clip surfaced from after the Celtics practice in Milwaukee in which Kyrie Irving responds to a question about this video that kind of went viral where Kyrie Irving was talking to Kevin Durant at the arena for the All-Star weekend. And I don't even know, was this like before the game? Before the All-Star game? Was it the day before the game? It was in the arena. A lot of people were around. Kyrie and Kevin Durant were talking, and... There's some audio, we can kind of hear what he's saying, we can see his facial expression, we can see what he's doing with his hands. He, Kyrie is clearly putting up the number two with his fingers. He's putting up two fingers. And people have turned that into Kyrie telling Kevin Durant, the Knicks have two max contracts. Two max contracts. That's what people are trying to tell me, that's what Kyrie was saying. I've watched that video a million times. And... I'm telling you right now, you cannot guarantee me that's what he says. He puts up the number two. He's talking about something. They got two. They got two. I don't I don't know that he's talking about max contracts for the Knicks. Everyone's trying to tell me that's what he said. I actually, I don't know. I, I, I don't see that. It's possible. It's possible. But I haven't heard those words. I've watched it a million times. But anyways, Kyrie was asked about that video, and he responded to it in a way that, man, I, I it's just, again, Kyrie Irving comments. I'm sick and tired of talking about him and hearing him, but here we are. We have more. Kyrie Irving. I will lead the show with that. Also, the Bruins made a trade yesterday, last night. I'll react to that trade. The NHL trade deadline is not until Monday, and the Bruins obviously are in position where if they added some help, especially offensively, um, who knows what they could do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But the Bruins did make a trade. I'll react to that. Also, we'll get to some Major League Baseball as spring training begins this weekend. As spring training technically has already begun. Official team workouts have begun. But the first Red Sox spring training game is this weekend. There is some news around Major League Baseball. Manny Machado is a San Diego Padre. I'll react to that contract. As I'm recording this right now, Bryce Hopper has not signed anywhere. But Bryce Hopper's eyes have to be lighting up right now, knowing that Machado was the first to blink, was the first to sign a deal. It's a mega deal. I'll talk about the Machado contract and react to that. And with regards to the Red Sox and some contracts that they're going to have to dish out in the next couple of years, I have some thoughts on Chris Sale because news broke this week that the Red Sox have talked to Chris Sale privately. They've had private discussions about a contract extension. 
with Sale. Chris Sale is in the final year of his deal in 2019. The Red Sox picked up the option on Chris Sale uh, for 15 mil. And this is the final year. Chris Sale can be a free agent next winter. Should the Red Sox even let Sale get the free agency? Should they give him a contract now? I do have some strong thoughts on that. So I'll get to it all and all of it presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P-I-C at DraftKings.com. Today's show also presented by BetOnline.ag. Sign up today at BetOnline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. And there's a lot of action to be had right now at BetOnline.ag. From the NBA to the NHL and even college basketball, place your bets today at BetOnline.ag. And even try some in-game live betting on your mobile device. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. BetOnline.ag. And today's show presented by Ivy League Hydration. I tell you about this all the time. It's the real deal. Look better, feel better, and perform better by jumping on the IV. And they're right here in Boston. They have a new store in Southie. But the best part is they will come to you. You don't have to go to them to jump on the IV. They'll come to you. And I know I've promoted IV League Hydration as the best hangover remedy. And I stand by that. It is the best hangover remedy. Throw your Gatorade out. Throw your Pedialyte out. IV League Hydration is the best hangover remedy. But it's not just for hangovers. IV League Hydration can also help you with cold and flu symptoms, jet lag before a big meeting, or even your athletic performance. I know many pro athletes who use IV Hydration as part of their normal routine to perform at the highest level. Like I said, they have a new store in Southie, but they can come to you as well. Check out their website, ivleaguehydrate.com. That's ivleaguehydrate.com to see all of their different IV Hydration packages. Look better. Feel better, and of course, perform better with Ivy League hydration. So, welcome to the show on this Thursday, February 21st. And let's get right to the Kyrie Irving stuff because he had a one on one with Rachel Nichols. I believe he filmed this during All Star Weekend, and, and Rachel Nichols on Twitter, at least, is just kind of releasing these videos one by one. It wasn't just Kyrie, I think she did it with a couple players, but she obviously gets to all the controversial stuff, right? That's the point of these one-on-one sit-down interviews. Now, Kyrie Irving does not have to do this interview, keep in mind. Nobody is putting a gun to his head going, you got to sit down with Rachel Nichols in this room and do the one-on-one. You got to do it. And don't tell me Kyrie doesn't know what's going to be asked. He knows what's going to be asked. Kyrie has already answered all the questions about anything and everything that surrounds himself and his contract that surrounds this current Celtics team and some of the issues they've had. Kyrie does not need to sit down with Rachel Nichols, yet he chooses to do so. And by choosing to do so, he really kind of contradicts everything that he says. Because a lot of the stuff that we'll hear from Kyrie is about how you know, the media can be bad and and the internet can be bad and things that people say, you know, uh, it it can be exhausting and taxing. 
I think he said emotionally taxing. Uh, whatever he said exactly, I'll play it for you in a second. But you know, he contradicts himself. Well, it's like if, if this stuff is such a big deal and it does creep into the locker room and it does affect you and it, it, it affects Kyrie Irving, why are you doing a one-on-one interview talking about it? Adding, adding more fuel to this fire. I do not understand... Kyrie Irving is somebody that I think a lot of people in this town are rolling their eyes at right now, but it doesn't have to be this way. Look, I am a Kyrie Irving fan of what he does on the court. He is one of the best players in the league. I want to see him sign a long-term extension with the Boston Celtics. I want to see him do that. I I want him to do it now, and if he's not going to do it right now, I want him to do it on July 1st so he can not leave that 40 45 million on the table. Celtics can offer him more money than anybody else. They can offer him a bigger deal than anybody else. Sign with the Celtics on July 1st. Nobody wants to see that happen more than me. But all of this other stuff that's sort of coming along with it, don't tell me this is a media creation when you choose to do this one-on-one interview with Rachel Nichols. It's just uh it, it's becoming a lot. It's becoming Too much, and I'm sick and tired of talking about it, but because it's such a big story and, you know, there is some stuff in here, we got to talk about it. So here it is. Here's just a couple quick clips that I took from this Kyrie Irving, Rachel Nichols interview. Your teammate Marcus Morris did say that it hasn't been fun. It hasn't been fun even when we've been winning a lot. Have you felt that? It's been a trying year for us, you know, because we basically have a bunch of young men in our locker room that feel like they're capable of doing a lot more than what they're doing. And that's okay. But there's a maturity that you have to have. There's a professionalism that you have to really showcase every single day. And that's what the great ones do. All right, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to stop it there. When he says, you know, that's what the great ones do. You know how I said, and I talked about this when Kyrie Irving had the press conference where he told uh, the media that that he called LeBron James and apologized to LeBron James weeks ago. I reacted to it on the show. I told you I hated it. Uh, it came right after, just moments after the biggest win of the season over Toronto. I, I just didn't like I just thought it came out of nowhere. I thought it was unnecessary. I, I just, I, I didn't think it needed to happen. I hated it. And I told you at that time that, that Kyrie did that. I said, Kyrie's talking about calling LeBron and apologizing to LeBron. And while he's doing it, he's starting to sound like LeBron. I told you that weeks ago. I said, Kyrie Irving is starting to sound like LeBron. And we don't want Kyrie to sound like LeBron. We just want him to play like LeBron. And now when he goes on this interview and he's like, you know, it's what all the great ones do. Not only is Kyrie starting to sound like LeBron, Kyrie is LeBron now. Like, that's, (laughs) I've taken the leap by continuing to listen to Kyrie Irving talk. Not only does he sound like LeBron, he is LeBron. He is LeBron. And, (laughs) you know, I hope that means he gets to the NBA Finals this year. But um, when it comes to the words coming out of his mouth, the tone, uh, sort of his personality, he is LeBron James. we only want him to be LeBron on the court, not off the court. But but here he is. Here's Kyrie Irving continuing 
uh, with this one-on-one with Rachel Nichols, but I just had to jump in where he says that, you know, all the great ones do. He He's LeBron James. That That's the only thing I can think of when he says that. I effort initially didn't play the minutes I wanted to play. I'm 26 years old, heading into my prime. Like, why do I have to wait for anybody? You know, Terry Rozier is a... You know, he played in the playoffs. He did extremely well. Coming back, that's a natural competition that me and him have. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Like, no one wants to say it, but I will. It's part of their growth. When you have winning in mind, then, you know, you just, you got to understand that. You got to do what it takes, but you got to understand your teammates. So, all right, I'll stop it there again. I mean, he's caught, you know, he says him and Rozier have a competition. He's calling out the young kids. Obviously, we know who that is. I don't think it's Tatum. I mean, Tatum's minutes are not really going down this year. Um, Tatum's at skills challenge, all-star weekend, winning the skills challenge, you know, predicting that the Celtics win the finals. I don't think he's talking about Tatum. I, I don't think he's talking about smart either because Marcus smart has been inserted into the starting lineup this year. And, 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 you know, that's been one of the, the better Celtics starting lineups. He's talking about Rosia and Jalen Brown. And he mentions Rosia by name in this sense. And I think he's able to do that because he does talk about a competition at the point guard position. But, I mean, come on. Is it really a competition between you and Rozier? From Kyrie Irving's perspective, this, from Kyrie's perspective, there should be no competition. You, you are not going to lose your job to Terry Rozier. Now, Rozier doesn't think that maybe he should lose his job to Kyrie Irving. And I think we've talked about this a lot. I think Rozier is ridiculous for thinking that. But I think human nature also creeps in to where... Rosier and Jalen Brown think that they probably should be rewarded for what they did last year with Irvin and Haywood out rather than see a decrease in playing time this year and a, and a decreased role this year. They, they don't feel like they should be punished for anything they did last year and punish is a strong word. I get it. But in their eyes, being competitors, being first round picks, you know, playing such a large role that they played last year, having so much success, I, I think you your ego comes into play, human nature kicks in, and those kids don't want to sit on the bench in the big moments. And I told you at times it's been tough to watch. I, it's been tough, tough to even look at them on the bench in big moments. And that creeps into the whole Marcus Morris stuff where he says the team's not having any fun. Well, Kyrie Irving's sort of addressing that now again. And again, I'll go back to he doesn't need to address this again. He doesn't need to. So if I'm Terry Rozier, I'm like, don't be throwing my name out to Rachel Nichols. I'm upset as it is. Okay? Don't. Well, why do you keep mentioning my name? And if I'm Jalen Brown, I'm rolling my eyes going, yeah, he won't mention me by name, will he? He won't mention me by name, that motherfucker. Like, I guarantee you Brown and Rozier are thinking that. Right? Put yourself in their shoes. But put yourself in Kyrie Irving's shoes as well. I try to put myself in everyone's shoes. I put myself in Kyrie Irving's shoes right now, knowing everything that's been going on, especially knowing if you feel a certain way about the media coming at you. Why are you even doing this? Like, I can't get over why he's even doing this interview. He is LeBron James. But he's making things worse in the process by not just continuing to throw the kids under the bus, but now he's mentioning some of them by name. Holy shit. Here's some more from Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. Too, when you talked about your own journey forward and your free agency, and you were just going to do what is best for you at the time when it comes. Mm -hmm. What is it like to have everybody talking about you and talking about this all of the time? The last time you went to go win a title, 2016, yeah. you didn't have all this going on. Now you're going to try to win a title, and talk's going to be there the whole time. 
Well, the talks don't stop. I mean, they, they, the talks follow the great players in the league, and, I, and I'm appreciative and grateful to be one of those great players in our league now. Um, you know, I've worked my way to get here, um, you know, and honestly, all that that goes with the free agent talk is it's really a distraction, you know, and a lot of people don't realize on the outside that, you know, a lot of things that are said get into the locker rooms. Like a lot of things that are put in headlines get into locker rooms. Like media has broken up locker rooms. Like it's been done before. Like where you say something and it's misinterpreted and instead of addressing it with the person or individual, like human interaction, you read it on your phone. Like you read it on a text. Somebody says that, hey, did you see what this person said about you and it's your teammate? And you're like, wait, I didn't hear that. And then you hold back, you don't say anything to them. And then throughout the season, it ends up coming out again. And it's just like, Man, that's not the way life is supposed to go. You know, it's a unique position, but I'm appreciative that I can have this understanding now. So, you know, it's, 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 it's fun, but at the same time, goodness, it's, it's energy taxing. It's energy taxing. Energy taxing. It's, you know, having to read this stuff on the internet, having to creep into the locker room, having to listen to the media talk about you and have that affect what's going on with your teammates. Yet he's sitting here talking about all the things that have not gone right with his team this year. He's contradicting himself. He's contradicting himself. And, you know, I, I, I don't have sympathy for him because he's putting himself in this position. I don't have sympathy for Kyrie Irving. I can't because he started this. He started this whole thing. He did. He beginning of the season, talking to the media, saying, "Oh, we, you know, we need a 15-year vet on this team. You know, we don't, we don't have any leadership. We don't, we don't have any veteran presence. You know, we need a veteran on this team." Like, you know, it start. It really started then, and and then it continued with some other stuff. You know, he went on some other rants at times. You know, he had the LeBron thing. Um, we're essentially in that he's also calling out the kids. Uh, you know, there have been other press conferences that he's done, other comments that he's made. And, you know, then he did the one, I don't know anyone's shit. I mean, Kyrie Irving has done this to himself. You can't complain about the media being all over you. While you're doing a media session, adding more fuel to the fire for the media to come at you with. You can't, you can't, you're contradicting yourself. So I don't have sympathy for Kyrie Irving. I don't. I don't. Especially when it comes to his potential free agency. Right? Because, you know, he ends that clip with Rachel Nichols talking about how, you, you know, it's never, that's never going to stop. You know, questions about my future are never going to stop. But I mean... There's an easy fix to that, right? If you're Kyrie, isn't there an easy fix? There's an easy fix to all the the questions about free agency. And that's, why don't you just tell people you're staying in Boston? Why don't you just, you know, once again confirm? Would it be that difficult for you to confirm what you said earlier in the season? That, guys, don't worry about it. I'm staying with the Celtics. I love it here. I can get a bigger contract here than anywhere else. This is where I'm staying. We're going to fix some of the issues. We'll be fine. You know, I wanted to get out of Cleveland because I wanted to be a be in a leadership role somewhere. I wanted to be the guy. I feel like I'm coming into that role here. I feel like we're learning with a young coach who's still young, who's still learning new stuff, with young kids who are trying to figure out their role. And, uh, you know, I'm committed to putting it all together. Guys, stop asking me questions about it. I'm staying with the Celtics, all right? We're done. It's over. 
Let's move on to the next game in the second half of the season and a playoff run. Like, is that answer? Would that be too hard for Kyrie to answer a question like that? Here's why he doesn't do that quick fix. Here's why he doesn't give us that quick fix. Here's why he doesn't squash all the questions about his future by just telling everybody he's staying with the Celtics. Here's why he doesn't do it. It's not because of a negotiation tactic. He knows the Celtics are going to give him the the Supermax or whatever the fuck it is. He knows that. He's not negotiating with Danny Ainge by by not telling us um, he's staying with the Celtics. There's only one reason why he doesn't give us that, make this a quick fix and squash everything and say he's staying in Boston. There's one reason. He's not staying in Boston. He's not staying with the Celtics. He's leaving. So he, he's in a position where he doesn't really want to lie. So he can't squash it because he, because he knows that if he says that, he's going to be lying because he is leaving. And the next clip that I'm about to play you, which is not the Rachel Nichols interview, but it's, this came out later in the day yesterday on Wednesday. Kyrie Irving, after practice in Milwaukee, was asked about the video that I mentioned in the intro where Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant we're having this little one-on-one conversation where they're standing up in a hallway of the arena. That was that was at the in the arena that the All-Star game was at. They were in their warm-up gear. Like, was this before the game? Was it at halftime? Was it before the shoot-around before the game? Was it before a practice? Do they have, like, a shoot-around the day before the All-Star game? It was All-Star weekend. They were in their shoot-around gear. They were at the stadium. They were in the, the hallway. There's a million people walking by him with cameras, with cell phones, with microphones, and Kyrie's talking to Kevin Durant. People, I think, are assuming that when he throws up the number two and says, they got two, they got two, people are trying to tell us that Kyrie's telling Durant that the Knicks have two max contracts, and and he's trying to convince Kevin Durant to go to the Knicks with him. I don't, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard the Knicks and the Max contract part of that. I know people keep trying to tell me that's what he says and they're lip reading and they're, I don't hear that. I'm sorry. I've watched it a million times. I don't hear that. For all I know, he's saying that like someone just had, one of their friends from home just had another baby and he's like, hey, he's got two kids. He's got two kids. Like, I don't know. Like, he's got two babies now. How crazy is that? Like, I don't know. He's got two brand new cars. How about that? He's got two new Range Rovers. Can you believe that? I don't know what he's talking about. People are saying he's talking about the Knicks and a max contract. I think that's a that's kind of a crazy place. That's that's a crazy setting to be trying to convince Kevin Durant. Like, do that at the hotel. You guys aren't staying at the same hotel? Do that when you leave the arena. These guys are hanging out all weekend. If they're as good of friends as Kyrie's telling us, him and Kevin Durant are, what, they're not hanging out? What, All-Star Weekend, they weren't hanging out on Friday night, on Saturday night, even on Sunday night? Of course they were. You think he's trying to convince him to go to the Knicks and giving details about Max contracts in that moment right then and there of the video that we saw? I actually don't believe he is. He's talking about two-something. I don't think it's max contracts with the Knicks. People have lost their minds over that. I'm telling you right now, I don't think that's what he's talking about. And I've watched it a million times. I've turned the volume up. I've watched a couple different versions of it. Um, But anyways, he's asked about it. He's asked about it. After practice in Milwaukee. And, And I'll just play it for you. Here is Kyrie's reaction when he's asked about this video 
between him and Durant and the the rumor that he's talking about trying to convince Durant to go to the Knicks because they have two max contract slots. Here's Kyrie. What does that matter to me? Somebody was... Listen, I don't have a private life when I'm out there in the NBA. Somebody wants to take a video and... <laughs> Pour water on it. I'm a human being talking to another best friend of mine. Like putting, it's just crazy. You know, this is. I mean, this is the stuff that just like just doesn't make the league fun. Like it doesn't make the league fun. Nobody helps promote the league even more by doing bullshit like that. Like just fictitious putting things on like what we're talking about. Like it's it's just it's crazy. I guess that's what you want. No, no. What I'm saying is, is that it's out there. Do you want to cool it off? So I would. People running with it saying, you know, yeah, people, but we haven't written about it. We're, we're like, that's we're coming to you to ask you about it. Okay? And people like who then? Well, it's all over the internet. You know? Do you look at the internet real for you in your life? It's my yeah, life, right? Know. It's two people talking, having a conversation. If this was a real world, would it be anybody else's business? But it's a video of somebody assuming what we're talking about, right? I hear you. Making an opinion about it. So why would I care about it? Well, why does that have an impact on my life? Why are you asking me those type of questions? About cooling it off? For what? The reason we're asking, I don't get it. The reason we're asking about it is because some people, that, like the fans, are interested in it. That's all. Oh, the fans? Yes. This is about the fans. That's Okay, this is about, so you write for the fans. You do your life, so Okay, so that, that's, where, that's where we start up the conversation. What I do with my life is my business. So it's none of yours, none of anybody's. It's not anybody's business, right? So it's a video of me and one of my best friends talking. And then it turns out to be a dissection of a free agency meeting. You get that? Like, you, do you get that? And then I'm asking, and I'm asked questions about it. Like that—that's what disconnects me from all that shit. Like, because I—I I have no connection to that. Like, over a video, I'm asking questions about the fans. You brought up the fans. Come on, man. You do it for the likes and clicks. Everybody does. Everybody wants to hear me talk like this. Like, everybody wants to hear every athlete talk about bullshit like this. A video, though, to pour water on it, makes no sense. It just makes no sense. It's not real life. All right, so there's Kyrie. He says, makes no sense. It's not real life. Kyrie Irving, who does kind of have a point there, like I told you, we all see that video and everybody dissects it and thinks they're talking about two max contracts with the Knicks. I don't think that's what they're talking about. I really don't. I do not think that's what they're talking about. And so I think he has a point being like, you are going to see a video of me talking to one of my good friends and you're going to turn that into us talking about a max contract with the Knicks. Like, this is crazy. Now, at the same time, then he goes on a rant about the internet and the media and it's like, well, dude, again, there's a quick fix to all this. Like, you're being asked these questions for a reason. The... The narratives that are being created in the media and on the internet when they see that video, you know, those narratives are being built because of the unknown as to what you're going to do as a free agent. And it's like, you know, to me, it all comes back to... It's it's so funny how we're talking about this Celtic season, right? It's so funny how we're talking about them. You would think, like, if you didn't look at the standings or you didn't watch the Celtics play a game this season and you've only listened, like, if you just, if I gave you every single Kyrie Irving clip, whether it's after practice, with Rachel Nichols, with the media after big wins, 
<laughs> right? With the media after losses, after other practices. If I give you every Kyrie Irving audio clip this year, and you didn't watch a single Celtics game, you didn't look at the standings, you would think that the Celtics was so bad that they have a chance to get Zion Williamson in this year's draft. Like, that, that's what you would think. You would think the Celtics were having such a bad season. Everything was so wrong. Such a trying time in Boston with this basketball team. Everything's going wrong. But it's almost the opposite. All right, I get it. This is not a perfect season for the Celtics. Have they lived up to the expectations? Well, not, I mean, not not yet, I guess. I think that's incomplete, though. Like, expectations, you know, we, when we give expectations for a team, we don't just do it for half a season. We do it for a full season and through the playoffs. So the expectation part of it is, I think it's incomplete. It has not been a perfect season for the Celtics. But I got news for everybody. They only have four less wins than the team that everybody raves about and says is the best starting five in the history of the league, the Golden State Warriors. Celtics only have four less wins than the Warriors. You know, you look at at the standings at the All-Star break. If the playoffs began at the All-Star break, the Celtics are the four seed. They would play the five seed 76ers. You talk about expectations. I mean, the 76ers are on the cover of Sports Illustrated with their starting five saying they're all in. Sixes are all in. I mean, you're really scared of the Philadelphia 76ers? Right? You you would think that that it's the other it's the other way around. So Kyrie, while he does have a point about people dissecting that video of him and Durant, and I told you I don't think they're talking about two max contracts with the Knicks at the same time, you know, when you spin this into like media creation and 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 you know, the internet is fake like he 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 sounds like a WWE character. Like Kyrie Irving, if you watch the WWE, you'll get this analogy. If not, don't worry about it. We'll move on quickly. I get it. Not all of my listeners are fans of WWE. But Kyrie Irving is one rant about veganism. He's one um, rant about telling us all how we should all go vegan. He's one of those vegan rants away from being Daniel Bryan, the the current WWE champion. Like, Daniel Bryan is this guy who yells at the fans and he says, you're fickle. Like, you believe everything. Um, You know, you eat meat. You know, you use up all this energy that's destroying the planet. You are bad people. I am living my life the way I should live it. And like, like Kyrie Irving is Daniel Bryan of the WWE. And like... You know, that Daniel Bryan is a perfect heel, a perfect bad guy in WWE because you listen to him talk and you think, what a clown. You know, I you just want to smash this guy's face in, right? I mean, that's basically what it is. Kyrie Irving, you get kind of the same sense when you hear him talk now. It's like, dude, you're blaming everybody else here, but... You know, the questions are coming for... I don't think these questions are coming out of nowhere. Questions are coming for a reason. It's because your contract is up. You're a star player. People in Boston want to see you stick around. There have been reports that you don't want to stick around. You've never responded to those reports by saying, those reports are false. Again, give it the quick fix. Say, those reports are false. I'm staying with the Celtics. There's nothing going on here. 
So for Kyrie, there is a quick fix. There is a way he can squash it. The reason he doesn't squash it is because he's not staying. And all this stuff that you're seeing now is, in my opinion, a setup. It's all a setup, in my opinion. I think Kyrie Irving, by complaining, continuing to complain about the media to Rachel Nichols, to, to respond to a question about that Durant video, while he does have a point in a way, again, the way he responds to it, it's all a setup. You know, what's, here's what's going to happen next. Kyrie Irving is going to leave, he's going to sign somewhere else, and he's going to blame it on the media. He's going he's gonna to say, I was unhappy there. I was unhappy in Boston. You know, the way the media treated me and the way I want to live my life is, you know, I want to live my life to be happy. And I'm not going to sign somewhere long-term in a place that I'm, not, that I'm unhappy. He's setting us up for his ultimate excuse as to why he's leaving town. That's all Kyrie Irving is doing right now. Forget about We can forget about the details to anything that he talks about with the media. Just go on his tone, his overreaction to stuff. Um, you know, the way he, he seems like he's so unhappy, like things are just so bad. What is really all that bad with the Celtics right now? Honestly, is it that bad? Can't, you know, is it really all that bad? No, it's not all that bad. In fact, I just told you, they have four less wins than the Golden State Warriors. That's not a bad thing. You have a chance still to make a run here in the second half, get one of the top seeds in the East, and win in the playoffs. Like, like is that such a bad thing? Is, are those such trying times? It's... It's no longer about the details. It's to what Kyrie Irving is saying. It's all about the tone and and the way he responds and 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 his reaction in general is just he's setting us up. He's done. He's gone. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he stays because nobody wants Kyrie to stay and sign a long-term deal with the Celtics more than me. I want him to stay. And in fact, I wish he was talking to Kevin Durant like, like I told you on Monday. I wish he was talking to Kevin Durant about about coming to the Celtics. They're such good friends. I wish that's what he was doing. I wish he was recruiting for the Celtics. That's my hope. That's my hope. That's what I hope was happening. It doesn't sound like it. It doesn't, you know, I don't sense that. Just the way he responds to the media. I think he is setting us up for his ultimate exit, his ultimate excuse for his exit, which is going to be, mock my words, I am predicting this right now, he is going to tell us he was unhappy here and he's unhappy with the media. Now, <laughs> you know, again, it will be ridiculous because he'll be going to New York if he leaves, you know, or maybe he'll be going to L.A. To, to, I told you, I don't rule out he goes to the Lakers and goes back with LeBron. I don't rule that out for one second with the, everything he's got going on in Hollywood, Kyrie, you know, he's got the Uncle Drew. I'm sure he's got a sequel. Uh, we've heard he's working on other Hollywood projects. You know, I would not be surprised if that's where he goes. Wherever he does go, it's going to be a big market. There's going to be some controversy. He's going to get the same media attention, if not more. Deep down inside, I don't think it's about the media attention. I don't actually think Kyrie Irving is soft. I just think he's kind of setting us up. Like, this is going to be his ultimate excuse. I wasn't happy in Boston. Media was treating me unfairly. You know, it was a it was a lose-lose situation for me. Every two seconds, I was asked about my contract, you know. Uh, we don't live this life to be unhappy. You know, I'm 26, 27. I'm, I'm trying to just, 
be a happy person. I wasn't happy there. And, and you know, you can blame the media for that. I could totally see him doing it. He's looking for an excuse. He needs one. Uh, and, and you know what? He, he's going to give it to us. He's giving it to us right now. His ultimate excuse, blaming the media. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. I've never seen anyone look so unhappy, sound so unhappy with a team that is has four less wins than the team that everybody says nobody can beat. <laughs> right? Like, like, you're so close to the Golden State Warriors, the best team in the league, and yet everything about what you're talking about with this Celtics team and your current basketball situation, you're just so unhappy with it. I've never seen anything like it. I just think that he is setting us up. He, he He's setting us up with his excuse to leave. He's not staying. If he was staying, there's an easy fix. And that easy fix is just by telling everybody to shut the fuck up, he's staying with the Celtics. It's an e- you squash all this real easy. How about another one? Here's another way to squash it. Don't talk to the media about anything that is so trying with this Celtics team. Don't do the one-on-one interview. I get it. You got to talk to the media after practice. You know what? Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. And if you do, and you're asked about the video with Kevin Durant, you know, can't you just say that was two friends talking? Next question. Like, (laughs) what's wrong with that? Uh, This guy is, Kyrie's not stupid, by the way. And that's why I, I, I don't think it's crazy to believe he is currently working on setting all of us up with an excuse to leave, which is you don't, he doesn't like the media and the media is running him out of town. It's, he's setting us up with that excuse. Um, I'm just, I'm tired of talking about it. I think we're all tired of talking about it. And, and all anybody in Boston wants is this is where maybe this whole thing gets lost in translation with Kyrie is that all we want is for him to stay. People want the confirmation. I know he feels like he doesn't owe anybody shit. He doesn't owe anybody that confirmation. But if he, if he really was upset with the media attention and the stupid questions, there is an easy way for him to squash this. But he's not doing that because he's not staying. Okay? He's not doing that because he doesn't, he, he's not in, he doesn't want to put himself in position where he lied. He knows he's leaving. His excuse is going to be, and he's setting us up with it right now, the media ran him out of town. It's just, it's what, it's the, it's what I get out of this. Kyrie Irving is LeBron James. He's, he is LeBron James. He is. I hope he helps the Celtics win a championship this year, but he is LeBron James. So that is, that, that's the Kyrie stuff for you. Um, I have a feeling that's not the, the last of it. But man, I, I think that the Celtics team is, I mean, when you just look at the team in general, they're not in, they're not in that bad of a spot. They're not in a bad spot at all. You battle some adversity. You know? You got a lot of talent. Turn it around. Go on a run. It's, they they have the team to do it. But um, the question is, will they? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, and, and, you know, I told you that if you didn't watch a game or look at the standings, you'd think the Celtics would have a chance. They'd be so bad. Kyrie's so unhappy because the team's so bad, they'd have a chance to get the number one overall pick. And that number one overall pick would be Zion Williamson, right? At least people think that's what it's going to be right now. It's going to be Zion Williamson. Um, Zion Williamson, was in, he got injured on Wednesday night. 
in, in one of the strangest injuries you'll see. He went to cut and his shoe ripped. His Nike shoe ripped. Just, I mean, ripped in half. Just a strange situation. He goes down, holds a knee, leaves the game. They're calling it a right knee sprain. And because of all this, now I I actually don't know if this is happening, but I can only imagine that it is, is that people have taken a stand against Nike on Twitter. Have people done that yet? Have they taken a stand against Nike on Twitter? You know what that does for me? Look, it's unfortunate that the kid's shoe ripped, that he had a bad shoe. <laughs> it's unfortunate, right? He had a bad sole and a bad shoe. And he got injured because of it. But I I think people are probably going to now take a stand against Nike. And here's what I'm going to do because of that. I'm going to go out and buy a new pair of Nikes. They're going to make me like Nike more. There's going to be people on social media that will crush Nike for this so much that they're going to make me actually want Nike more than I actually want it. I like Nike stuff. I get I have some Nike clothes. I have some Nike. I'm wearing Nike sneakers right now. Um... You know, if they were Reebok sneakers that I like, I would I would get those. Like, I'm, I'm not opposed to getting other brands. But I think people are going to go on such an anti-Nike stand right now that they're going to force me to only go Nike. I mean, it's unfortunate what happened, but, but let's not overreact to Nike right now. And let's also not overreact to should Zion Williamson shut it down? Should, should he shut it down? If he's healthy enough to play, my advice would be just play, right? I mean, he's obviously not returning to college next year. He's he's going to the NBA. And I know people say, well, well what if he got hurt and, and he damaged that knee even more? Then maybe it would affect his NBA career and it would affect the money he gets in the NBA. Yeah, you could say that about every single person that steps foot on the court on any given night in college basketball. I mean, you know, Kyrie Irving and and... Could, could, you know, we talk about guys in the NBA. Look at Gordon Hayward. Like, guys get hurt in the NBA. Guys get hurt in other sports, not even on, like, David Postenok with the Bruins. He just had dumb surgery. He fell while walking to get his Uber after a night out in the town. It tore a tendon in his thumb. Injuries can happen anyway. So enough with the should Zion Williamson shut it down. If he gets back and he's healthy enough to play, he should play. That's it. He should play. Because the minute you start worrying about injury and getting overly concerned about will I get hurt or will I be okay, that's when you get hurt on the court. That's when you get hurt. So Zion Williamson, take it easy on Nike. And if he's healthy enough, he should play. That's it. We'll see what happens. It's a right knee sprain. If they think it's, if they think it's something that isn't going to heal properly, then obviously take take some care of the knee and and don't play. But if he ends up everything like, hey, it was fine. It's nothing. You know, toss a new pair of Nikes on. All right, you want to get away from Nike? If Zion Williamson wants to get away from Nike, I can understand that. But um, I think you'll hear you're going to hear a lot of overreaction to the Zion Williamson stuff here moving forward. Right, I think if anything, he should get back, get healthy, and learn how to maybe shoot a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's the way. Maybe that's the route they should go. Worry about uh, the the shot, the jump shot, the three point shot a little bit more than what type of brand he's wearing on his foot, and what type of injury he could get moving forward before he goes to the NBA. But that's the basketball news for you. 
Um, I did mention Pasternak and the Bruins in the NHL, and because Pasternak is down, the Bruins are obviously looking for some offensive help, and they made a trade. Now, the NHL trade deadline is not until Monday of next week, February 25th, but... So, it, I mean, when you make a trade now, it opens the door that you could make another trade, possibly. The Bruins traded Ryan Donato in a fifth-round pick to Minnesota for sentiment Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle, local kid. Is he from Weymouth? Played at BU for a couple years. Uh, he's 26 years old. He's under contract through next season as well. So it's not just a rental. It's close to a rental, but you'll have him, you know, if you keep him next year, you got him now for a year and a half. So... Uh, Charlie Coyle, he's a depth sentiment. You know, he's somebody that this season has 10 goals in 60, 60 games. So last year he had 11 goals in 66 games. You know, you're not asking Charlie Coyle to come in and be a top six forward. You're asking him to be a depth forward. And if you just go out and get a depth forward, I think it's okay to question why would you trade Ryan Donato for a depth forward? I don't know. Here's what I do know about Don Sweeney, Bruins general manager. He loves local talent. He does. He loves it. He, I mean, he's actually on the record. He says he he enjoys having local talent on the team. Um, but to you know, Ryan Donato to me. I mean, let's look at the num. Let's just break it down with the numbers. Ryan Donato, twelve games last year, thirty-four games this year. That's a total of 46 games, and in those 46 games last year and this year, he's got 11 goals. So that's 11 goals in 46 NHL games. Coyle, in 60 games this year, only has 10 goals. I mean, all right, Donato, he's a couple years younger than Coyle. It's not not that much different. It's not like Coyle's 31-32, Coyle's 26. Um, so I don't know that I want to sit here and argue age at all, but I think when it comes to skill level and the potential to be a top six forward, I think that Donato's potential to be a top six forward is much higher than, than, than Charlie Coyle's potential. I think Coyle has already shown what he is, which is a, a third line, fourth line player, right? And Donato has shown flashes that he could be a top six forward. I'm not against trading Ryan Donato. I think where I criticize the Bruins on this, and I'm not against trading for Charlie Coyle, by the way, but where I criticize this specific trade is Donato, he's not untouchable to me. You could trade him. But why wouldn't you package Donato with maybe a a top pick, a better pick, and and get a better player and maybe get a top six forward? Like, what? You couldn't do that? That wasn't out there for you. I question that. I think it is out there for you. Uh, so, again, it's a it's Ryan Donato and a fifth-round, conditional fifth-round pick to Minnesota for Charlie Coyle, who's going to be a third-line center, who's going to be a bottom six forward, uh, who's on a contract this year and next year. So, you have him for a year and a half. I'm not against acquiring Coyle. He could be a nice pickup for them, a nice depth forward. He's got more size than Donato, obviously. So I'm not against trading for Coyle, and I'm not against trading Donato. But if you're going to trade Donato, in my opinion, I think there's 
there had to have been a deal out there somewhere where you could have got something better than Coyle if you added Donato with a better pick than a fifth-round conditional pick. Right? Maybe Donato and multiple picks. Maybe Donato, another young prospect, and a pick or two. Like, there had to have been a more creative trade package that you could have put together and sweetened the pot by adding Ryan Donato to a pick or two. Was there not? We'll see what the Bruins do here moving forward. But um, my point is, I'm going to trade Donato, which I'm not opposed to it. It's going to be in a package that's large enough to get something better than Charlie Coyle. And I don't mean to sit there and knock Coyle, because I think he could be a, a fine piece of this Bruins team. It's just what you gave up to get him, and then what you gave up, could you have sweetened the pot with a better draft pick with Donato and maybe another player or two and and maybe got a top six forward and and improved your depth even more? You know, could you have done that? You know, that's where I'm going to question this. And, you know, it's one of those things, too. It's like this is the type of trade that pre in previous years would make Bruins fans and everybody in Boston hate Claude Julien. They'd be like, oh, this is a Claude trade. He couldn't work with the kids, the offensive kids, and maybe don't want to play defense. They just want to be involved in the offensive end. They get lazy on the defensive end. Claude hates this type of young player, offensively-minded young player, and Claude is just going to talk the GM into shipping him out for a third line, a bigger kid, a depth forward. This is, this is what people would be calling in previous years a Claude Julien trade. You can't criticize Claude Julien for this because Claude Julien is not with the Bruins organization. So, I don't know. I I don't think the young player you gave up does not match the player you got in return. The 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 trade package it, it not a no it just doesn't match up because I think Donato could have been paired with a better pick maybe multiple better picks and a, another younger player. And maybe the return could have been a little bit better than Charlie Coyle. That's all. I, 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 and I think if Claude was here, everybody would be yelling and screaming about this saying you gave up on a young kid. Cause Claude doesn't want to play the young kid. That's what you'd be saying. That's what you'd be saying. So, um, I, I, I don't know that I can sign off on this deal. Well, ultimately, you know, it's in a vacuum. Does Coyle help the Bruins? Yeah. Could could there have been another move that Donato was involved in that maybe could have got you a better return than Coyle? I would like to think they would have been. I would like to think they would have been. And then that's but that speaks volumes about the GM. That speaks volumes about maybe how creative Don Sweeney is able to get as a GM in this league. And you know, I I I think that the the job Don Sweeney has done is still incomplete. Okay, sure. Especially this year where the trade deadline's not until Monday, you still get time to make another move. But all I consider and think of is, well, what if you still had Donato to add to a better trade package? You know, then what type of return are you talking about? So uh, I, I, I can't sign off on this deal. I'm not a fan. I question it. And um, I think that a lot of other people would be questioning it too if Claude Julien was still here. I think that would be a strong talking point today. They'd be blaming Claude today. I don't I don't know that people are up in arms about it. I don't think people are up in arms. I think they would be up in arms if Claude was here. That's all. 
But that happens, you know. People, they, they, they have these, they create these thoughts on a coach or a manager and they can never, or a GM, and they can never clear their mind of those thoughts. They can never look at things with an open mind. If they hate a guy, they're going to blame a guy. And if something happens that's similar with another guy, they will never blame that guy the same way if they like him or dislike him. It, it all comes down to how they feel about a person and then they will create their, their, their judgment as to what they think about the move that person made. That's the, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Um, and all I'm telling you is if Claude was here, I think you'd, I think you would hear more people fight up about trading Ryan Donato for a depth forward. That's it. I'm, I'm not going to sign off on the deal though. Um, because I would like to see what you could have got for Donato and a better draft pick and, and maybe multiple better draft picks and maybe even another younger player. But we'll see what else Don Sweeney does. Like I said, it's incomplete. The trade deadline's Monday. And uh, so I guess we'll give him the weekend to maybe work it out and 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 see what else he can add to this Bruins team. Uh, but also this weekend, I will be paying attention to spring training baseball. The Red Sox will play their first spring training game this weekend. They'll play the Yankees. Well, they'll play Northeastern first. They always do that. They play Northeastern. Then they'll play the Yankees. But, um, you know, I think the big story with the Red Sox is... Obviously, with the roster, like you wonder what the bullpen's going to look like. Uh, me personally, I still do not rule out the Red Sox making a trade for a reliever, and 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 I mean kind of a big one. I don't rule out a Jackie Bradley Jr. getting traded between now and opening day. Like I really don't rule that out. Jackie Bradley Jr. for a relief pitcher who's good enough to maybe be the team's closer. I don't rule that out. I really don't. And 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 I say that for a couple reasons. One, you see all these big-name players signing so late in the offseason. I mean, Manny Machado just signed a 10-year, $300 million contract with the San Diego Padres the other day. As spring training began, he signs with the Padres. It's a monster contract. You know, last year you saw J.D. Martinez, he signed with the Red Sox late. Uh, you know, he waited late. Bryce Hopper is... We're going to see a spring training game this weekend. And Bryce Hopper is still a free agent. So, if the if the stud free agents and the big-name free agents are not signing until spring training begins, does that mean the trade stuff gets pushed back as well? Like, does that mean, you know, GMs and president of baseball operations... You know, does that mean that the calendar of movement with players gets pushed back? Like, will we see more trades in spring training moving forward? If ever, does everything get pushed back? Gets pushed back? I wonder. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is a guy I'll be I'll be looking at. And I say that because the Red Sox, you know, there's an elephant in the room with this Red Sox organization, and that's all the contracts that they're going to have to sign next winter and the winter after that. And I'll give you the names. Next winter, after this season, the Red Sox free agents will be Chris Sale, Rick Porcello, and, you know, it could be J.D. Martinez. If J.D. Martinez has a year like he had this year, he I have a feeling he could opt out to get more money, a larger average annual, because his J.D. Martinez's contract was front-loaded. Front-loaded. And, you know, as that contract goes on, he makes less and less money. He, If he has the type of season, he could opt out. You know, it's a possibility. You need to factor that in. 
if you're the Red Sox as you look ahead. Right? So, Sale, Pocello, we'll just throw Martinez in there. J.D. Martinez. And then, the winter after that, after the 2020 season, Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, who are you? Who do you want to sign first? Obviously, Mookie Betts over Jackie Bradley Jr. I just think one less player that you have to worry about is a good thing. And if you want to cut ties with that player right now, if you don't think you're going to be able to sign that player then you should want to add a piece to your team right now, and that would be, what do the Red Sox need? They need a reliever, right? They need some relief pitching. They need a closer. And maybe that's the route they go. I don't I don't close the door or rule out someone like Jackie Bradley Jr. getting traded for a reliever in spring training. I don't rule it out. I don't. I don't rule it out. Now, even if they don't do that, the Red Sox still have decisions on other guys. Like I said, Mookie Betts, a free agent after the 2020 season. Uh, and then next winter, they'll have Sale, Porcello, and maybe J.D. Martinez. This week, Red Sox ownership came out and said they have had private conversations with Chris Sale about an extension. The Red Sox picked up Chris Sale's $15 million option for 2019. It really was, the, it's basically the seventh year of Chris Sale's deal that he signed with the White Sox before the 2013 season. Um, What was it? A five-year, $32.5 million deal, but with the options, it came out to a seven-year, $60 million deal. And, you know, we're talking about Chris Sale making, that's an average annual of $8.5 million over over a seven-year span in that seven-year span in which he was arguably the most dominant starting pitcher in all of baseball every single year. So, Chris Sale, over the last seven years, has been criminally underpaid. Criminally underpaid. So, if you're Chris Sale, you want to get the contract. It's nice that you got the 15 mil this year. You got that option picked up. Um, It's much higher than the 8.5 average annual. I get that. You're happy with that. But if you're Chris Sale, you're going to be 30 years old next month. You've been criminally underpaid. And you've been the most dominant pitcher in baseball the whole time that you've been criminally underpaid. You want the monster contract. You could say all you want about wanting to win, and that's more important. But come on. Is anybody going to blame Chris Sale if he wants more money? I won't. Blame him. He deserves it. Chris Sale has earned the right to test the free agent market. He has. He's earned the right to go out next winter and see what he's worth. There's a risk to that. And the risk would be that the current free agent, the current Major League Baseball free agent world that we live in, it's a big unknown. Like Manny Machado, it takes him till spring training to sign a deal. Now it's a monster deal, but it took a long time. I I think what you see with that is you see teams who have a lot of money who would love to have star players, they're hesitant to get into bidding wars for star players. Chris Sale's a star player. You know, the perfect in a perfect world, Chris Sale would hit the free agent market and he would get teams in a bidding war to give him $35 million a year, right? $30 million. He would, he would get teams in a bidding war. You're not seeing that right now. The last two off-seasons, you're not seeing that. And especially if your Sale... Knowing what teams will know about you, which is that you've had some shoulder issues now. You're going to be in your 30s. Last year, Chris Sale, we cannot ignore. And the Red Sox won't ignore this either. Chris Sale 
had shoulder inflammation in his left throwing shoulder that forced him to make two DL stints towards the end of the season. And when he came back, his velocity was down. So you get two DL stints with shoulder inflammation, a decrease in velocity. You're going to be 30 years old next month. And given the current landscape of Major League Baseball free agency in which teams are seemingly hesitant to get into a bidding war, even for star players who have dominated, it's a risk for Chris Sale to test the open market. It is. It's a risk for him to test the open market. Now, for the Red Sox, who, again, this week have come out and said they've had private conversations with Chris Sale about a contract extension, it's also a risk for the Red Sox to sign Sale to a deal right now because of what I just mentioned. One, the elbow, uh, the, excuse me, not elbow, the shoulder inflammation, the arm issues, the fact that he's going to be 30 years old, and the fact that if you are the Red Sox, I mean, you might be tempted to say, well, nobody's spending money, or at least nobody's getting into bidding wars. They're not going to get into a bidding war with us with Chris Sale, knowing the, the shoulder issue he's got. And the Red Sox could very well play it like that. My advice to the Red Sox, and I wrote this in a column for the Boston Metro today, my advice is to sign Chris Sale right now. Pay the man right now. And I just told you, it's a risk for them to do it. But I also think there can be, like, because there's a risk on both ends, like a risk for Sale to test free agency, and a risk for the Red Sox to give him a deal now, I think there's a middle ground they can reach. That middle ground is still going to cost the Red Sox some money. But I think there's a way to do it. Here is my, here's what I would do if I'm the Red Sox. I would go to Chris Sale, and I'm not going to lowball him, and I don't think that, you can't lowball him because the Red Sox also said this week, they've admitted that they quote-unquote blew it with the John Lester negotiations back in 2004, excuse me, 2014, leading into John Lester's final season with the Red Sox. You know, they lowballed them, and uh, they said they blew it. The Red Sox ownership came out this week, and they said we blew it. When you come out on the same day at spring training and say, one, you blew it with John Lester, lowballing him, and not getting them locked up in spring training back in 2014, and you've had private conversations with Chris Sale, there's an acknowledgement there that you're not going to lowball Chris Sale right now. And you are interested in giving him a deal. Now, I would give Chris Sale a deal right now. Pay the man right now. He deserves to be paid. He can say what he wants. He wants to be paid. No question about it. There's a risk and a reward to everything that you do. But my advice to the Red Sox would be, here's what you offer Chris Sale right now. You ready for this? Get your calculator out if you want. But I'll break down the math for you if you don't have a calculator handy. I'd offer Chris Sale a five-year deal for $140 million. That's an average annual salary of $28 million. $28 million. A five-year deal, $140 mil. But here's what I would do. I would front load it heavily. I would, fr- I maybe I would make the first year, th- I'd give him 35, 36 million the first year. I'd give him 33, 34 million the second year. I would front load that thing to the point where, because I'm front loading it, I would also give Chris Sale 
opt-outs after the third and the fourth year. Because in that fourth and fifth year of the contract, that would be low. I would front-load it so much that in the fourth and the fifth year, you know, when he's, all right, let's say the first year of that deal, he would be 31, 32, 33. So when he's 34 and 35 years old in the fourth and the fifth year of that deal, that would be like, we'll call it Porcello money right now. I'd make those 20 million each, 20 million a year, 20 million and 18 million. Like it would be, it would be front-loaded. Chris Sale would get a lot of money in the first three years. However, only if he meets the required incentives, which is there's got to be a number of starts he needs to make in the first three years of this deal. Okay? Then he'll get those opt-outs. If he doesn't meet those requirements, that turns into a club option after the fourth and the fifth, excuse me, after the third and the fourth year of the deal. So that's my offer to Chris Sale, if I'm the Red Sox. $140 million, a five-year deal, heavily front-loaded. You're going to make $36 mil and then $34 mil the first two years. Heavily front-loaded. You're going to make $100 million in the first three years of the deal. We'll call it that, right? And then you could opt out. If you're dominating and you're, you're making that number of starts, that, that X number of starts that, that we have to give you the opt-out, you can opt out and maybe get even more money. Maybe we'll even, you know, add some more money to the average annual of the final two years of that deal. Right? I mean, I mean, and if you're Chris Sale, here's how you got to look at it. One, you might not get nobody, you might not get anyone to give you this type of deal on the free agent market. You might not. If you're going to make 36 mil a year the first couple of years, 35 mil a year the first couple of years, you're not going to, you're going to get someone to give you that on the open market? I don't know. This deal that I'm offering sale from the Red Sox, and again, this is me making it up, five years, 140 mil, which, yeah, is 28 million average annual, but if I'm front-loading it and then giving them opt-outs after the third and the fourth years, then, you know, again, for, for the... For the short term, this is a huge contract for Chris Sale. Huge. That no one's going to give him that over the first three years, 100 mil over the first three years. It's, it comes out to be somewhere in the middle of what Clayton Kershaw just got with the Dodgers, which was a three-year deal, uh, I believe 90-something mil, right? And Zach Greinke's six-year, $240 million deal with the Diamondbacks couple years ago it's somewhere in the middle of that like you're not gonna get the Granky stuff was just you know he that was that was crazy money um and given the current landscape of free agency I don't think you're gonna see anyone go out and give that and then the Kershaw stuff it's like well that's only a three-year deal this has the potential to be a five-year deal 140 million dollar contract but maybe even more than that if you you have the opportunity to opt out after the third year I think that's middle ground. It's better than what Sale's going to get in the free agent market. Um, it's maybe more than the Red Sox would want to spend on a pitcher in, in his 30s who's got shoulder issues, but they've got the money. Okay, don't tell me they don't. They've got the money. And it's better than having to get in a bidding war with someone. There is that risk. And better than losing them. Right? It's better than losing them. 
that to me is a perfect deal. And, and I think it's an offer that Chris Sale cannot refuse. That's basically what you got to give him. You have to give him an offer that he cannot refuse. It's you know it's not going to be a, a five six year two hundred and forty million dollar deal like Granky. And it's not only going to be three years like Kershaw. It's going to be middle ground. It's going to be a five year deal, but it's going to be one hundred and forty mil, heavily front loaded. And opt-outs for you as a player if you meet those incentives, number of starts, and and you can opt out and maybe get another contract when you're 33 years old, 34. I, I mean, I, I think it's just too, it would be too good for Sale to turn down knowing the risk of what could be out there or maybe couldn't be out there. Because if you're Sale too, you're like, well, I mean, you know, if I do get hurt, if this inflammation turns into something else, at least I'm guaranteed to make a hundred mil over three years, right? I, and that's pretty. That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big contract. So, uh, I think that's a good middle ground. Five years, hundred and forty mil, front loaded, and opt outs for sale after the third and the fourth year if he meets the required incentive, which would be an X amount or an X amount of starts in those first three years. And then if he doesn't, they're club options for the fourth and the fifth years. That's what I would. That's what I would do for for Chris Sale. And I, I, I yeah, I don't think that's crazy. I don't. Now Sale again. He, no one's getting the only guy that's going to get Machado money moving forward is going to be Bryce Hopper. Machado, ten years, three hundred mil, San Diego. You know what do you want me to say about that? Machado got paid. Uh, the only reaction I have to that is that Bryce Hopper, his eyes have probably lit up. Because he's going to want more than that. The question is, will he get it? Well, now, if you're Hopper, now you might be able to get that bidding war that you weren't getting before. Because now, you know, certain teams could say to, to Hopper, they could say, well, we have Machado. We can always go to Machado. No, Scott Boris can go to those teams and say, you don't have Machado anymore. You just have Hopper. And oh, yeah, by the way, the Phillies... We don't just have you. We have the White Sox who want us now, too, because the White Sox missed out on Machado, and they need to make a big splash. This is perfect for, for Bryce Hopper. It is. It's perfect for him. And he's going to get more than 300 mil. Hopper will get a 10-year deal for, I don't know, 320 mil? That's what he'll get. Maybe some creative opt-outs? I think Machado can opt out after the fifth year, right? Is that what it is, fifth year? Um, he goes to San Diego. What will he do in San Diego? Uh, is it a good contract for, for the Padres? Is it a bad contract? I mean, look, if they get the money to spend, you got to spend it somewhere. I would personally take Hopper over Machado. But again, if you weren't going to get Hopper to commit to you and you got Machado to, then, you know, hey, you're at least selling some jerseys. You're selling something to your fans like we brought in one of the best young players in the game. You know, if you got the money, spend it. If you got the money now still and you're looking to spend it, definitely sign Hopper. I would sign Bryce Hopper. Hopper takes a lot of heat because of his batting average and maybe the strikeouts. And Hey, I'll take Bryce Hopper any day of the week. I will. I will. He's an intense player. Um, He's a home run hitter. And I think that Hopper is different than Machado in the sense that Bryce Hopper does seem actually like Johnny Hustle. Machado came out and told us last year during the playoffs that he's not Johnny Hustle. He actually said that. So that would be the difference there. But, um, 
that's who you got in Major League Baseball. I'll keep my eye on the Bryce Hopper stuff. If anything breaks, I'll react to it. Uh, how about the NFL? What do we got in the NFL? We got some news, I guess. Is it news, though? Chris Sims reported this week that the Patriots were trying to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. And the reason the Giants didn't trade Odell Beckham Jr. was because the Patriots actually wanted him so badly. Where the Giants took a step back and said, well, wait a minute, he's got to be pretty good still if the Patriots want him. (laughs) Now... I don't think you'll ever see the Giants trade Odell Beckham Jr. to the Patriots. Like, I just, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think if the Patriots do anything, they're going to sign Demarius Thomas. I think that's, my, that's, that's what I think they're going to do. Maybe they bring back Danny Amendola. Maybe they bring back Danny Amendola and they sign Demarius Thomas to a low-risk, high-reward deal, knowing that Thomas is not going to get a big contract being 30 years old, coming off an Achilles injury, his second Achilles injury, they might be able to get Demarius Thomas now for for short money. That's the type of move the Patriots will make. Not Odell Beckham Jr. Do I believe anything Chris Sims says? The answer to that question is no. No. And so I won't I will not spend any time on that. Also, Gronk says he's gonna make his decision soon. Sure. I don't think he's going to retire. Gronk's coming back. Reports are that he's already told teammates he's coming back. He'll be back, and I told you that a long time ago. And I'll be back on Monday. Uh, get this show whenever you want at Podcast One, also on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Uh, if anything crazy happens with the Celtics, the Bruins, the Red Sox, the Patriots, or anything in the world of sports with any other team. I'll react to it on Monday. I'm out. Talk to you then.